Okay, welcome to Living Well class on January 5th, 2020. We're going to start with a mission-focused review. So just by way of hands, who, who was here for mission focus, at least in part? Okay, almost everybody, good. So <clears throat> mission focus, was the, the conference was very refreshing. It was very recharging, okay? If you didn't make it, because you were too tired. That's like a car that is so low on fuel that it won't drive to the gas station. That's what you did by not going to Mission Focus. You were so low on fuel, you're the car, okay, that you didn't go to the gas station to get refueled. So now, you know, you're going to continue on fumes for a while when you could have just got recharged with the body there. So I'm not chewing you out. I'm just saying it was very refreshing and it was very recharging. And I'd like to just by by just with a, you know, kind of a big picture overview right now for us this morning, lay out some thoughts on that because it was very recharging and it was very re refreshing. But here's why. And here's maybe what we need to understand, because mission focus is a focus on what is real. OK, so go to the next slide here. Mission focus is a focus on what is real, at least for us. See, we are new creatures in Christ. We know that, that, that for us to separate ourselves from the world is not just good, but it's right. It's what makes sense. It's what's natural. For a new creature to live like they used to live is incongruent. It doesn't make any sense. New creatures are supposed to live like new creatures, and old creatures are supposed to live like old creatures. But when a believer isn't focusing on this new life, then there's going to be some confusion there. Focusing on the mission that God gave us is to focus on who we are in Him. The enemy, listen to this, because this happens to you. The enemy wants to subtly infiltrate your mind with this wicked idea. Okay? I'm going to pull up my air quotes, so watch. The real world, okay, is the dull, drab, carnal, fickle, fake, malicious, distrustful, unsatisfying existence represented by your workplace and your family reunions. I hope not, but that's often the case. So, but this is the idea that that's the real world and mission focus. What's well, just this little escape from the real world? You know, that's not right. To focus on the mission that God has given us is refreshing because it brings us, along with everyone else doing the same thing, it brings us into spiritual reality. See, you're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Did you know that? You have this weird duality. You have your spiritual reality. We are seated. Christ is in us and we're in Christ. He's outside of time. We have this weird spiritual reality that lost people have no idea even exists. Oh, but I'm also standing right here at 3953 Walnut Street, Kansas City, Missouri. In the double wide, as Joel calls it. Amen. Praise the Lord. So which is it? Am I seated in heavenly places? Eternal? 
transcendent, or am I stuck in this physical body that Bill's complaining about, like, oh, man. No, I'm both. Okay, but listen, where's your focus, believer? Because in this realm, there's a lot of things that are wrong. But spiritually, who we are in Christ, oh, my goodness, you know what? This is the transcendent nature of Christianity. Why is it that some people can have peace and love and joy and contentment and satisfaction when their whole world has fallen apart? You know why? Because they're focused on spiritual reality, not on everything that's wrong. This world, the real world, as pessimists want to put it, you can have it. If that's the best that the devil can do. He can have his kingdom. I don't want any part of it. I'm going to focus, listen, on love, joy, peace, hope, faith. Our, to focus on the mission is to live in light of spiritual reality, you guys. It's, it's refreshing to focus on everything that's good and right and to let all that other... Whatever, I mean, I can't be non-pastoral. All the other stuff that's in this world. Just, why do I want to focus on that? I know there's things wrong. You know, I've actually been wronged. But to hang on to that, i got to focus on that. Why not just let it go and focus on the mission? Amen? Amen? That's why it's refreshing, because it's a focus on what is real. To focus on things outside the mission. Okay, this is the next one. This is number two. A focus on our purpose. So the first one was, it's refreshing because it's, it's a focus on what is real. The second one is, it's recharging because it focuses us on our purpose. We're not here to be comfortable. We're not here to be accepted by our peers, to have a lot of Facebook likes. You're not here to be wealthy, to be pampered, to be famous, to have an easy life where all of your expectations are met. Your house says, Boutique matching outlet covers. I mean, whatever. We're not here for any purpose other than the mission that God has given us. There is a thing called the church age, which had a beginning. And it has an end. And there is a purpose to it. And that's why the church is here. We're here to do the mission that God has given us. Yet... We focus on all the other stuff more than we do the mission sometimes. And guess how we end up, believers? We end up restless. So when we get together and focus on the mission, it's recharging. Because a, a focus on the world, focusing on the things besides the mission that God gave us, is draining. We're not designed for that. We're not here from that. It's just just restless activity with no life, and it just slowly, but listen, certainly will suck the life out of you. It is a dry and thirsty land that we live in. The church age, we have a mission. We have a purpose, and when I focus on that, it's recharging. It's exciting. Why? Because there's life there. It's right with spiritual authority, and I get to minister with you guys, and it's, okay, to miss out on mission-focused conference is bad. Okay, to miss, to miss, miss out on mission-focused as a life, 
your lifestyle, your conversation, your daily activity, if you miss out on mission focus, no wonder you're tired. No wonder you're depressed. No wonder you're restless. You're not, you're not tapped into the life blood, the life stream. Mission focus, so it's a focus on what's real, it's a focus on a purpose, but it's also a focus that frees. It's a focus that casts down the enemy's influence in our minds. Okay, what in the world? Okay. The goal of the enemy in spiritual warfare, and we're going to look at a few verses in just a second, but listen. The enemy is at work in your minds. That's why you wouldn't want your thoughts portrayed for everyone to see. That's why you're discouraged. You're listening to all the wrong voices. But where do those voices come from? Where do those thoughts come from? Where are the negative emotions? Why are you such a bad friend to yourself? Where do you think that's coming from? The devil is constantly working to discourage you. You know what his goal is? He wants you unfocused. Okay, you don't believe me. So, so let me read this, and then we're going to go to, to, the, to, the, to the verses. The goal of the enemy in spiritual warfare is to use thoughts, emotions, and fantasies to keep you, believer, unfocused. Your mission focus is your spiritual victory. When you can go through something, the storms of life, and you stay focused, that is spiritual victory. Okay, I'll tell you a story. I was going from one thing to another this week, okay? And I had to change my socks and shoes. I was in a hurry. So I was in my car. I was on I-35. Changing my socks and shoes. While driving. I'm not recommending this. I'm not promoting this. I'm not saying it's a good idea. It's just that was what happened. Okay, and I'm thinking to myself, I got to get this, sorry, highway patrolman, okay, don't turn me into your buddy scale, okay, okay, man, I, sh I should be careful with my illustrations, but I'm thinking to myself, I need to get this process over as soon as possible, because this isn't safe. And I'm like, Lord, I just need to get this process over as soon as possible. I'm kind of like, you know, confessing to the Lord. as a. And he goes, no, you need to keep it between the white lines as you do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impatient. I, I, I do like to just get stuff over with. I just want to get through the storm. I want the trial to go away. I just want to be done with it already. I'm, I'm, I'll confess. I get a little impatient. God's like, no, you need to keep it between the white lines. So, so if, you, if you're going the right speed, which I, I, I was, I was okay there, and I'm keeping it between the white lines and I'm paying attention, well, then okay. But if this thing that I'm doing is going to cause me to not stay within the boundaries that are set up for me to keep me and everyone else around me safe, we've got a problem, don't we? Okay, well, what, what the devil tries to do is to try, he, he uses the circumstances, the things that you do that are kind of silly, or that thing that happened to you. Or just being in a lost world as a lost race, he wants you outside the white lines. 
What are the white lines for us as believers? It's the mission that God gave us. That is why you are here. God created you because he wanted you. He wants you in relationship with him, but then he wants you trained up, equipped, enabled to be part of the mission. See, he, he, he triumphed over the enemy at his first coming. He conquered sin and death. The battle is won. God wins. We have the end of the book. It's in Revelation. You can read it. The devil, he's cast into a lake of fire. And then for all eternity, having dealt with the sin problem, God and Jesus' everlasting kingdom moving forward into eternity. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are a part of that. We win. Well, then, then why is it so dark? Why is it so hard? Why does it seem like the devil is alive and well and thriving in our, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, sometimes in our churches? Why? Anybody know? Why, why didn't Christ, when he came and conquered sin and death, just put an exclamation point on that thing? Why was there like a colon and now the church age? Anybody know why? 2 Peter 3.9. Someone turn there and read 2 Peter 3.9 for me. Nope. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Okay, read it real loud for us, Nick. 2 Peter 3, 9? Yeah. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you steady out 2 Peter 3, 9 in the context of that verse, it's talking about the return. It's talking about the end of all things. So Peter says... You know, Christ isn't lazy. He didn't forget. He's not slack concerning his promises of his return. But listen, he wanted you to get saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why he hasn't come back yet. Yes, sin and death is conquered, but he hasn't ended all things because he wanted you to get saved. He wanted me to get saved. He wanted the church age to happen. We, as local New Testament churches, we are the stewards of that mission that God has given us. If we don't focus on that, then there's nobody to stop the agenda of the enemy, which is to kill, steal, and destroy. The goal of spiritual warfare in your life is to keep you unfocused, and you need to learn to stay between the lines, even when... You're struggling with something. Even when something bad happens to you. Even when you get a bad diagnosis. even w That's when it really matters, believer. That's, okay, when my life has fallen apart and my neighbors who have been watching me, because they think all Christians are hypocrites anyway, and my life falls apart and I still praise Him and I still serve Him, now they see something that they don't have. That's when it really matters. So listen. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. Speaking of the spiritual warfare, and to validate the things that I just said, let's look at this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning they're not like physical, they're not made out of meat. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Anyone have any strongholds they need pulled down? Yeah, you do. 
Okay, now, now where is the battlefield of this battle that's in our minds? Look at the next verse, verse 5. Casting down imaginations. Where do imaginations happen? In our minds. Some of them need casted down. Casting down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge. Where do we deal with knowledge? In our minds. Listen, just because that thought comes into your head does not mean it is true and does not mean it is valid. The devil can put thoughts in your head. The devil can mess with your emotions. And there's this whole zeitgeist right now, this whole thing that's like, well, if I feel it, then it's true. No, it's, it's, not, it's not true, and it's not good, and it's not right just because it's in your mind. Amen? Amen. And, and if you're saying that, well, I don't like that. Okay, well, let me ask you a question. How's that working out for you? How has following your heart, like Walt Disney said, and, and, and being a bad friend to yourself and listening to the chatter, how has that worked out for you thus far? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So how, how do we fix this? How do we win this battle? Okay, check it out. We cast down those things. No, go back. Casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That means I have the choice of controlling what I do and do not entertain in my mind. I can't keep thoughts from coming in there. But I don't have to dwell on them and I don't have to act on them. I get to control. I have a choice. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And here's where God's mission comes in. And here's why a focus on the mission frees us. As I hold those thoughts captive, I don't just hold them captive to... to, to you know, maybe some verse. I hold them captive to the mission that God has given us. As I obey, why do we here for? We're here for the mission. Every thought needs to be held captive in terms of who I am and the mission that God has given me. Okay, so a thought comes in my mind that says, you know, I should be malicious toward my neighbor. He makes me mad. So I'm going to, I want to do something and well, here's the thought. How's that going to help me make disciples and fulfill the mission that God's given me? Well, it won't. Okay, then I'm not going to do it. Hey, I want to buy this thing. How's that going to help me make disciples? It won't. Okay, then I'm not going to do it. Everything needs to be brought into captivity to the obedience. Well, look. Hey, I'm not under the law. All things are lawful. I'm not under the law. So what do you mean obedience? I mean obedience to the mission that God gave you. And if you bring your life in tune with that song, with that, okay, bring your life in line with the mission that God gave us, everything will become clarified. As you focus on God's will, He will direct your plan. He will make your way forward clear, but it's only when... You start caring about the reason you're here on the planet, the mission that he gave us. If I'm self-focused, and we'll get to this in a little bit with our testimonies, I trust. If we're self-focused, we're never going to get anywhere. If I'm always looking here, I can't see where I'm going. I'm always just focused on me and my circumstances. The best you're going to do is just spin in circles all the time. We'll, we'll talk about that. Focusing on the mission frees us from the enemy's influence because he just wants to distract us. 
And victory isn't ease. It's staying between the white lines and staying focused on the mission, even when you don't understand, even when you're depressed, even when you're sick, even when whatever. Don't you know we all die? Don't you know we all go through physical hardships? Don't you know we all go through times of, you know, valleys emotionally? Stay focused on the mission as you go through hardships and you win. It's not a lack of hardships. It's staying focused through the hardships. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Here's what I'd like to do. Let's, let's do some testimony. We'll share some testimonies. And my, I, I would just say, why don't you come on up and give your testimony. Let's do try to keep it brief so that we have time for our small groups. What I would like to do is, is, is if someone gives their testimony... And it's like, well, something that Mark said. I've kind of summarized what Mark said. So I'll just follow up with what Mark said. Okay? So we'll just kind of trade the mic here back and forth. But does anyone have a testimony they want to give? Okay, let's do this. Hang on. Let's do mission-focused testimonies. And then in small groups, we'll do personal testimonies. Okay? Because I want... What I want is the testimonies that we have, I want them to be followed up on if it's a personal testimony, kind of like, well, listen, here's where I'm at, and I really need to understand this, or I really need prayer for this, or I really need victory in this. I want to do those in the small groups. So let's start now with just mission-focused testimonies. Does anyone have a mission-focused testimony? No, almost. Okay, so I'm going to start then. Huh? Let, let me start with one. Okay, I'll give a mission-focused testimony. Um, one thing that, that Brian... I'm sorry. One thing that um, this guy named Joe McCaig taught. And I'll just go ahead and give what Joe taught. On Wednesday night, this is on your handout, Joe McCaig taught out of Acts 9, 1 through 13, and Acts 26... 15 through 19, and it's the story where Saul's on his way to persecute the Christians because he's serving God. You guys know that story? That's how he's serving God. He's persecuting Christians, so he's taking them and throwing them in jail and having them tortured and fed to lions, you know, that sort of thing. That's what God wanted, he thought. And then all of a sudden he meets the Lord in the road, and he's blinded. And he, then he says, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And then God tells him to go, and he fasts for three days, and God sends someone, and he, get, and he goes and God gives him a vision for what he's supposed to do. So here's what Joe taught. Sometimes to get the vision that God wants you to have, you have to lose your sight first. So here's what that means. God doesn't want me to add his plan. Okay? God doesn't want me to add his plan to my plan. He wants to replace my plan with his plan. I have to lose my sight to get a heavenly vision. I have to be willing to give up what I thought, what I planned, what I wanted... So, you see, and it's, a, it's usually a good thing for us. Like, we're not trying to knock off the liquor store down the street. We're trying to serve God. Here's the problem. If it's your plan, you're just going to be like Saul in your flesh trying to do this good thing for God. God's going to say, I never told you to do that. 
Why don't you quit focusing on yourself? Why, why don't we do what Paul did when Saul became Paul? And he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? But he had to be willing first to give up his plan, his self-promotion, his self-protection, his self-provision, his ideas, his understanding, and just say, Lord. Okay, so, so here's the thing. Ready? Here's what God showed me. Okay. God doesn't work for you. Most of our prayers are like, God, I've got this awesome plan. God, I need victory. God, I've got this idea and I want you to bless my plan. Like God works for you. God doesn't work for you. We're supposed to work for God. It's Lord, what would thou have me to do? Not, Lord, here's what I want you to do. How many times have you prayed and you're like, God, do this. God, save me. God, give me. God, and God doesn't work for you. Here's what God wants. He wants us to say, God, I trust you. So, Lord, I'll do what you say. I'm done saying, God, do what I say. It's, Lord, I'll do what you say. Here I am. And even if that means I have to step out of the boat of my own, you know, security to do it. So, you know, it's not the first time I've been through that. But here's what struck me. It's like, you know what? I, I'm in the same boat as everyone else. I need to be willing to say, God, I'll give up my pastorate. God, I'll give up my career. I'll give up my 401k. I'll give up proximity to my grandchildren. Oh, that's a hard one. God, whatever you want, Lord, what would you have me to do? I'm going to stop praying that, God, give me, give me. And it's, it's, you know, I need to, we all need to be saying that prayer at all times. Does that make sense? So there's a mission focused testimony for me. There you go. Okay. Phyllis, come up. You have to come up here. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You had a comfy spot. Yeah, I know. We're not here to be comfortable, sister. <laughs> All right, here, just hold that if you would. So uh, can, uh, um, I, too, want to talk uh, about something that Brian Clark said. Uh, he talked about um, burning your boat, burn your bridges and your boats. And I, I kind of was wondering, what, where, where was he going to go with that? And it came from a book called The Art of War. And this was advice to the generals, and it said, uh, when you get into enemy territory, you need to burn your boats and burn your bridges. Um, and it, for me, what the Lord gave me is just let it all go. Uh, don't look back. Uh, proceed forward. Have faith and trust. And allow the Lord to do the leading. Um, and also, it's, uh, uh, the part that I have to put in there is to have the faith to know, be assured that God will provide, uh, make the path, or whatever it would be that I would need. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Come on up. Michael? No, that's perfect, Phyllis. What does it take to burn your boats and bridges? What's it take to never go back? There is no going back. What does that take to get to that place? That'd be a good small group discussion, by the way. Okay, Michael? Thank you. Also from Brian Clark. Boy, he was on fire, wasn't he? Uh, on Tuesday night, I think it was, 
um, he was preaching out of Romans. He said, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And, and you know, my tendency is, Jesus, you need to go over and save that guy over there. And what he, he's telling me, and he told me through that is, Mike, you need to go share the gospel with him. You, you're the one I'm sending. You know, it's not uh, bring this person to, to Sunday school class, to fellowship class, and Pastor Chris is going to... Uh, share the gospel with that person no it's up to me and and the older i get which i'm no longer 18 anymore um i have this sense of urgency and I, that was renewed for me during uh mission focus was this sense of urgency and my ownership my responsibility in doing this um and and just a commitment to doing that yeah it was good stuff yeah. so brian clark he, he preached on the first night on romans 12 one, which if you've been around here, you're familiar with that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So Brian's always talking about burning stuff. Last year he preached about burning stuff, and this year he's burning his bridges and he's burning his his uh, boats. So there's no going back. But he talked about the burnt offering, that living sacrifice, and how that was a willing is. It was continual sacrifice, and it was a consecration sacrifice, and and uh, there was another one in there. But but basically, he asked a question that I think was was pretty good. He said, "God has your heart. Does He have the rest of you? Does He have your body? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, and that's where it gets real practical. Whose hands are these? Oh, these are God's." Whose feet are these? These are God's. Whose ears are these? These are God's. I don't, I've presented them as a living sacrifice. They don't do what I want them to do. They do, they do what God wants them to do. Um, you know, God works in and through us as we work for him. And all these testimonies, it's like this morning in main service. I was depressed and now I'm full of joy. I was hopeless, but now I have hope. And and here's the thing. Sometimes we hear those testimonies and we think they're so lucky. They're not lucky. They're they're blessed because they're recipients of grace because they did what Phyllis was alluding to and they trusted God. They started looking outward. You know, there's a paradox in Christianity. To find your life, you have to lose it. Who's in control of your life? If you're in control of your life, the good that you would, you're not going to be able to do. And the evil that you don't want to do, you're not going to be able to stop. You have to surrender control of your life. You have to become a living sacrifice. Okay. Sunday night, Mark Trotter preached, and he, and he preached out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 29-35, and he said, in, in light of the fact that time is short, and it is short one way or another, maybe you're not 18 anymore, and you're, you're learning to number your years, but even if you are 18, time is short because the church age is about to end. But in light of the fact that time is short and the fashion of this world passes away, we need to adjust our mindset regarding marriages, our mindset, and our materials. So in other words, don't, don't act like this world is your home and you're trying to build a big place in it. Don't make your marriage or relationships an idol. All those things are just things through which we serve God. 
but it's serving God that has to be the focus. So, you know, I love my wife like Christ loved the church. And when I do, she's very blessed from it. We have a wonderful marriage. But it's not an idol. Right? Blessing comes through trusting God. But trusting God, you know, if I don't trust God because I care so much about my marriage, I don't have a blessed marriage anymore. We have to lay it down in order to get it back. On Tuesday night, Brian Clark taught out of Romans 10, 13 through 15. He called it the Romans Road of, of Missions. So turn there to Romans 10 with me. He reverse engineered these passages, if you will, okay, to come to the what he called a cycle of, of a saved man's life. But the Romans wrote of missions in 13 through 15. If you look at those verses, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there's salvation by calling on the Lord. Okay. Well, how do we do that? Well, they call. Okay, so I'm just going to say you. How do you call upon the Lord and you know you're saved? Well, you do that after you believe. Well, then how do I believe? Well, okay, that's in verse 14. You believe by hearing. Oh, okay, well, how do I hear what I need to hear to believe what I need to believe so I can call upon the name of the Lord so that I know I'm saved? Well, there's a preacher, somebody, doesn't have to be a guy up behind the pulpit, but somebody preaches the truth to me and I, I hear it. For the first time in your life, your, your ears are opened and you hear the truth and you believe it and you call upon the name of the Lord and according to God's word, you're saved. Well, how, how are you going to hear without a preacher? And how's the preacher going to preach unless they're sent? Okay, well, someone needs to, to, to be the one through whom God is going to speak. Someone has to preach the truth. Well, how shall they preach except they be sent? And sending is a process. It's not the ceremony in which, you know, you kick him out the door with a pat on the back and then you shut. That, that's just the, the very end of it. Sending is a process that includes discipleship, leadership, leadership, training, supporting, and all those different things, and, and then sending. But listen, if you're in this, if you're in living wall class and you're a regular here, you're a sent one. You know you're supposed to be presenting the gospel and doing Bible studies. Okay? So, but this is the, the, the Romans Road to Missions. Okay? It starts with an equipping, sending church, okay, and then it, it, it includes preaching the truth, hearing the truth, believing, and calling on, on the Lord for salvation. So Jesus Christ was a son of God. He came and lived a perfect life. Even though he lived a perfect life, he still died for the sins, not his sins, but for the sins of the world. He was buried. He was in the grave for three days. On the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death. And when his grave was opened, all of our graves were opened. And we can walk out. We can have new life. And just like Jesus called Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And he came up out of the grave. We can also come out of death and sin and darkness into light. We can become children of God through putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And in that one moment, all our sins are washed away. We become a new creature in Christ. And we become a child of God. 
destined to spend eternity with him forever, set free. That's the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. And that gospel, that's good news because you need a savior. The debt's already been paid. All it needs to do is applied to your life and your situation. And if you haven't done that, do not leave your small group today without calling upon the name of the Lord and being saved. On Wednesday night, Joe McCaig talked about losing his sight in order to give it a heavenly vision. And I would just say for some of you, maybe you know the Lord as Savior, but you don't actually know him as Lord because you're acting like he works for you instead of vice versa. Well, just say this, losing your life to find it is so worth it. Because your life otherwise isn't going to be that great. If a life in this world striving to find something that doesn't exist, if that's the best this world can offer me, oh yeah, the world that crucified Christ, the world that has my family messed up, the world that, that deceives, the world that doesn't say, you can have it. I don't want it anymore. I'm done. I want what God has for me. Amen? Amen. Man, that's where we need to be. So let's do this. We're going to break up into our small groups at this point. If you're a visitor...